This morning I want to turn to um, Psalm 29. And, you know, I always think some days are easier than others, and then there's some days that you know you're probably going to preach instead of teach. And I think I always preach. I think my gifting is it to preach. And so that's probably what I will do this morning instead of just teach. But if you've been in situations where there are times when you, we've all experienced this and we've seen this, whether you are a teacher in a classroom, whether you are a parent at a crazy dinner, or you're, at a grand, or you're a grandparent and all your grandkids are around. Or you're out in the street and all of a sudden you hear this voice that says, Hey, Johnny, stop! Sorry, that was loud. But I got your attention, didn't I? There are those times where a voice has to be risen in order for the child or whoever, the student or the person, to hear what's going on. As a parent, I learned early on that you teach your children yes and no from mommy and daddy so that when danger happens, and I say no, Javen, he's going to stop in his tracks because danger is coming. And it's the same in a chaotic classroom. The kids are going wild. The teacher, the substitute teacher comes in and there's no chaos and all of a sudden her voice has to raise. And hopefully, I don't know if it happens anymore, but the kids will kind of settle down and respect will go to the right authority. And the reason I share that with you this morning is there are times when God's voice has to be louder than all other voices that we are hearing in our day. You see, oftentimes we look at, and we say this a lot, is God speaks in a still, small voice. We stick that and we say, okay, I've got to be quiet and I need to listen to a still, small voice. And I try and I'm leaning in to hear His voice and He does speak. God is always speaking. But then there are those other times that He has to speak very loudly. And I think in our culture today that God is screaming out to us. Saying, look at me, here I am, I sit on the throne. Hey child, I have this under control. And I think we're at that moment in history for us as Americans. That God is crying out to us. Saying, listen, be still, know that I'm God. Stop striving. Relax, let go. I still sit on the throne. And you see, this morning I'm going to cover three areas, and it's our praise is beautiful, and the voice of the Lord, and then the third will be He sits on His throne forever. And as Annalise so brilliantly said it this morning, is He is the God of miracles. It's complicated. We don't always know how it's going to turn out or what it's going to be like, but He is the God of miracles. And the state of our nation, I started a new book by Max Lucado, and it's um, called um, Anxious for Nothing. And he says a couple things about our American culture. He says, in a given year, nearly 50 million Americans will struggle with some sort of panic attack, a phobia or some sort of anxiety disorder. 50 million people. 
What's the population of America? How many? 300? 300 million. 50 million. That's huge. Anxiety disorders are the number one mental health problem among women. And second for men only behind drug and alcohol related issues. Citizens in other countries experience one-fifth of the anxiety levels we struggle with in America. And these are, all, these are facts. These are not opinions. Yet they are poorer and have less than we do. Isn't that amazing? But when they migrate to America, they too begin to feel the effects of anxiety. That says something about our culture. Listen to this. The average child now experiences more anxiety than the average mental health patient in the 1950s. When I heard that, I was blown away. And then one of the number one reasons for girls in in teenage, when they're teenagers, is when they are gifted and advanced students because they're higher expectations. The very kids that we think that are succeeding in life are under tremendous amount of stress. We are stressed out people. And if you think about 2017, think about all the troubles and the worries that you went through last year and how it bogged you down. But it's all been passed, hasn't it? Some of you may still be going through a storm. Some of you may still be going through something that brings you worry and anxiety, but I'm going to give you a a, a fix to that this morning, at least begin a healing process to that. But if you think about it, we could do nothing about last year's worries. They are gone. Well, you've got one more day to worry about 2017. But they're gone. And I wonder why Jesus says that you, if you worry, it doesn't matter. It doesn't add to one single thing in your life. And instead, it really brings us down and it has caused an epidemic within our society. Why is that? Because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus Christ. And even for our church, 2017 wasn't the easiest of all years. You had a pastor that was still in transition. And when I say this stuff, I just like to have fun and joke about myself, so don't think I'm putting myself down. But it was quite the year. And you know it. And we got through some hard times. It was not easy. And we're at a place, I believe we're at a better place than when we started 2017. But I will say this, it's hard to understand. It's hard to always know why God does what He does, but He's trustworthy. And so as we begin 2018, and we're going to talk about anxiety for a little while, a couple weeks, we're going to look at what the psalm says, we're going to look at what Jesus says, and then we're going to look at what Paul says about anxiety. And the only reason we must remind ourselves of Scripture is because we have to renew our minds. And I think about the word regeneration, all regeneration, which is used only a couple times in Scripture, in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, as we are renewed by the Holy Spirit. It's a renewal. We have to renew our minds. And those that have been walking with the Lord for a while, 
You've experienced what it is to have a renewed mind, but you've also experienced what it is to go back in the old mindset. And so we constantly, this isn't for the new believer or the, the, the believer that's been walking, I don't know how long, or the old believer, it's for us all. We have to renew our minds. And we need to fight this. Let's not give in to this area as we've given in to marriage. Remember, we were talking so not too long ago that in the church, 50% of church attendees have been divorced. And we've given in to some of those areas. And this is an area that we cannot afford to lose. And so, as a preacher, I feel sometimes my job is just to exhort, to warn, and to give you tools to fight. And this is one tool that I want to give you this morning. So let's go to Psalm 29. It says, at the beginning we'll go verses 1-2. through Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory due His name. Worship the Lord in splendor of His holiness. And when I was reading through the Psalms, I was blown away at this Psalm because I I oftentimes, I let my anxiety overtake me. And what happens is when that happens, I I take my place uh, or my eyes off of where it should be and I put my eyes on the problem and see what happens. Then we become people of worry instead of people of praise. And the psalmist is encouraging the heavenly beings, the angels, which, hey, we're right there with them. I think he's encouraging us too, is to give to the Lord glory and strength. This word ascribed here is honor and giving to God. And this is what we should do. We should be honoring the Lord for the glory due His name. And worshiping the Lord in splendor and holiness. Because God is holy. And I get stuck on this so often is because God is so holy that we forget. We go because of the way we believe and the way we think. Is sometimes we figure that God is just some person there that is just existing, but He's holy. Did you know that all of heaven bows before Him day and night giving Him praise? And that's what we must do. In Psalm 33, verse 1 says this, Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous ones. Praise from the upright is beautiful. And different versions say different things. Some say comely, but it's beautiful. And can you imagine this, what the Scripture is saying? Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous ones. And how beautiful it is from the praise of the upright. And you see, the awesome part of this Scripture this morning is that in Jesus Christ, you are a righteous one. In Jesus Christ, you are an upright one. And so when you come into the very presence of God, you have no fear. And it says how beautiful you are when you bring praise to Him. 
And then Psalm 147 says basically the same thing, but I want to read it anyway, because we're renewing our minds. And the only thing that I know that can truly renew my mind is the Word of God. And Psalm 147 starts off this, Hallelujah! How good it is to sing to our God, for praise is pleasant and lovely. And that is why Paul says in Philippians, and we will visit that in the coming weeks, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And I don't know about you, but I'm not always rejoicing. I am not always giving praise that is due to the name of the Lord my God. That is, I am to honor Him and to bring Him praise. And I do pray this morning that you're convicted. I do pray that, but I pray it's a conviction that will cause 2018 to be a little bit different for you. Conviction is not condemnation. Conviction is encouragement to do what you know to do and to do what is right. Because it says this, we are to be consistent in giving God glory and honor that is due to His name. Realizing that all we have comes from Him anyway. Is that true? It is a gift He has freely given us. And when I encourage myself with Scripture and know that through Christ's death that I am holy and blameless and without spot before the Father, how can I not go into His presence and just be rejoicing when I know how my, what I struggle with? But Christ has called me redeemed. And point number two. So praise is beautiful. Rejoice in the Lord always. Point number two. And this is what's beautiful about this psalm. Hopefully I don't break anything. It's just a prop. I almost need somebody to hold it for me. It's heavy. This psalm could almost be read in a thunderstorm. And as I was reading theologians, and there's a weird echo, but a weird, theologians, they said that this is what maybe this psalm was meant for. Is when God was thundering, when the rains were coming and the storms were coming, to get out there and realize who God is. And when I read that, I thought, that's amazing. You see, I know in Wisconsin you do have thunderstorms, but down in the Midwest... Down further south, you have some really tremendous thunderstorms. And I remember living in Turkey always being disappointed because there was hardly any thunder and there was hardly any lightning. And you're expecting the storm to come and to see the awesomeness of it as your kids cry and crumble because of the storm. But let's read on. The voice of the Lord is above the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord above the vast water. The voice of the Lord in power. The voice of the Lord in splendor. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf. 
in Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. That's quite the sight. And strips the woodlands bare. So think about this. If we were able, and there was a thunderstorm that was coming, and we're waiting for spring already, baby, it's cold outside. If we were to sit under the storm, and God would allow us for the moment to see the lightning flash, as it says, the voice of the Lord is like flames of fire, it's talking about lightning. And the voice of the Lord is like glorious thunder. So if we were in a tremendous thunderstorm, could you imagine that God's voice is much louder than that storm? And so when the next time a storm comes, I encourage you to take an inexpensive Bible out and an umbrella and think on the Scripture. Think on the power of the voice of God's Word. And how His voice is all-powerful and it needs to be spoken loudly over us. You see, when I was reading through this, I'm like, there's nothing, I have no excuse not to hear the voice of God. I realized that my culture is speaking to me a thousand words And a thousand voices are coming my way. But there is only one voice that is important. And that is the voice of God. Because you see, even the voice of reason, at least from the world's standpoint, is trouble. There is no peace, but they're crying out for peace. There can be no peace outside of Jesus Himself. So what storm are you facing? What storm have you faced that you need to get your umbrella, or really, let's just call it the shield of faith, and you need to walk out in that storm and just hold that shield of faith up and say, the voice of my God is louder than the storm that I am facing. And I will praise the name of God. I will praise the name of Jesus despite what I'm facing. And if we were to take time to hear your testimony about how God has delivered you through many storms, we would be encouraged. But the thing is, is every storm is different, isn't it? Every storm and every trial we face is different. But they're real. And when we take our eyes off the One who has created us, who has formed us in His image, we begin begin to be anxious, we begin to be depressed, and we begin to worry. And the truth is, folks, none of us are immune to worry, anxiety, and depression. Some of us are more given to it than others. We will admit that. 
But the truth is we need to implant God's Word into our hearts, into our minds, and we need to ask Him to speak louder than all that we face. Because if this is an epidemic, then us as believers should be able to hold tightly to the truth of God's Word. And I can prove my point through God's Word. And Let's go to Mark 4 real quick. Trying to get my hands to work. Mark 4, verses 31 through 41. 35 through 41. On that day when evening had come, He told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took Him along since He was in the boat. Curious sentence for me. And other boats were with them. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. Are there times in your lives that you feel like you cannot take any more? Are there times like in this story that the water is coming over the side of the boat and you are beginning swamped and if you're like me at times like, Lord, I cannot take this anymore. Please let it stop. And Jesus, He was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Really, Lord? And this is what the disciples are saying, really Lord, this storm is bad, we're going to lose our lives, we're not going to make it, and you're sleeping? Really, Jesus? And see, the funny part is, is when things are going bad, it's easy to curse God, whether we come out and say it or not. But then when things are going good, it's really hard for us to praise God. I find that interesting. So he was sleeping, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care we're going to die? Why did you call me into this position? Why did you call me out of the boat or into the storm and to be a part of this storm? Why did you do this to me? Those are the questions they're asking. And we can ask the same thing. Why are you, Jesus, letting me go through a rocky marriage? Why are you, Jesus, allowing my marriage to be shaken a bit? Why are you, Jesus, allowing my job not to be as secure as it was? Why are you allowing me, Jesus, to worry about how I'm going to pay my next bill? Where are you, Lord? And Jesus got up and He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then He said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And I remember Timothy Keller in his book, The King's Cross and The King's Way, he talks about the Scripture and I was so amazed because he says this isn't a normal Scripture. He said the whole sea became as glass. And I like what he said when Jesus spoke the calmness, the waves ceased and the wind stopped and the sea became like glass. We're adding a little bit to the Word, but there's power because listen, 
This is what happened. In verse 41, And they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? That even the winds and the sea obey Him. This is a terrifying moment. Although they were scared for their life, they were going to die and why their master was sleeping, but He gets up and He rebukes the storm. The storm stops and then they are terrified. Can you imagine this Jesus who is in the boat, who is in the midst of our storm, calms it and they look at it with awe? And I don't know if you've heard this statement that God doesn't always calm the storm, but He does calm His child. And if you've gone through a storm in life and the circumstances haven't changed, but the peace of God comes into that situation. And that is where we need to be. And point number three is He sits on the throne forever. So let's... Read the rest of this psalm. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned King forever. The Lord gives His people strength. The Lord blesses His people with peace. And when I read this, I was amazed. And I was encouraged. Because no matter what storm we are facing or what trials are ahead, God sits above every trial and every storm. You see, if you've ever been in floodwaters or if you've ever been at the ocean, the sea, and at the shores, it is, and I've talked about this, it is overwhelmingly loud and annoying if you're not expecting it. But God's voice is louder than that. And He sits over that. And then it says, the Lord sits enthroned King forever. And I want you to know, there is never a time in your life or my life that God gets off the throne. No matter how hard it gets, He is always sitting on the throne. There's only one time in Scripture that we know of, or at least one of the times, is when He stood up when Stephen was being stoned. But he never left the throne. God sits enthroned over our lives, King forever. And the Lord gives His people strength. The Lord blesses His people with peace. So I want to ask you this morning, do you have strength? Do you have peace? If you don't have strength and you don't have peace, I want to ask you why not? This is the inheritance of the believer. Says this by Charles Spurgeon says, Dear hearer, is not this a noble psalm to be sung in the stormy weather? Can you sing amid the thunder? Will you be able to sing when the last thunders are let loose? And Jesus judges the quick and dead. If you are a believer, the last verse is your heritage. And surely, that will set you singing. So as the worship team comes forward this morning, I want 
to ask you, are you anxious? Are you worried? Are you struggling with depression? If you are, it doesn't make you any less of a believer than anyone else. But if you are, I want to encourage you this morning that the medicine you need is God's Word. The medicine that you need is a a really good dose of soaking in the Scripture on a regular basis. You see, there's a promise, and it's called Newton's Law too, but you sow what you reap, right? And then the Word says, if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap death. And I wonder, what are we sowing into our hearts and our minds? And if you're lacking strength and peace, I want you to take inventory going into this new year. Is TV taking your time? Is Facebook or technology? Guys, this isn't a joke. I'm sad to say it, and I don't want to get on a pedestal. But it's not a joke. It consumes us. What other fears and what other worries are consuming you? And I want you to take Psalm 29 and meditate on it. And ask God, if I am not walking in strength, why not? And if I don't have your peace, why not? I need it. So let's look back at 2017. Most of our fears and worries never came to be. Maybe some of them did. Yet you still maybe worry about the circumstances that you're facing now. I want you, I want to encourage you to keep your focus on Christ Jesus. You see, we are Jesus centered and people focused here. What does that mean? It means Jesus is our all in all. There is no other hope we have. And then also it means as a community and a body going into 2018 is we need one another to speak truth into each other's lives. If you are not bent to being an encourager, I want to encourage you to try giving a kind word to someone in the body this year. And to being an encourager because we all need it. I guarantee if we are encouraging one another and praying for one another, we will find strength and we will find the peace that we need. So this morning as we end the sermon, that's my encouragement to you is that God never leaves His throne and He's over your storm. And in the midst of your storm, that praise Him. Honor Him how lovely and beautiful it is and to put your trust in Him. So this morning as we sing, we're here, the elders will be here to pray with you. If you need some peace and you need strength or you just need Jesus, period, we're here to pray with you. But if you're not in any of those categories, which I don't know that there are many of us that aren't, and you don't have to come forward. But as you're worshiping this morning, focus on 
who Jesus is.